From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker and editor of the CQ Budget Newsletter. And joining me today is Kelly Madrick, who covers appropriations at CQ Roll Call. Thanks for being here again, Kelly. Thanks, David. So if it's the last week of September, that can only mean one thing, and that's a scramble to avoid another government shutdown. And this year is no different. None of the 12 spending bills that fund the government for the fiscal year that begins October 1st have been passed yet. So it's time for another stopgap funding measure to avoid a shutdown. The House last week passed a continuing resolution to extend current funding through November 21st. That gives Congress an extra eight weeks to get its work done. The Senate is scheduled to vote on the measure later this week. But there's more in this resolution than just a simple funding extension. So, Kelly, what else is in this thing? I think there's been work underway on this measure for a very long time because as part of the Bipartisan Budget Act of 2018, that was a huge package of extensions of different health programs running the gamut from, you know, um, family planning and sexual health to different types of outcome for low-income seniors related to drug programs and mental health centers that also combine substance abuse treatment. There's so many different types of programs that they were trying to move forward in that budget deal. And then it basically all of the authorizations were set to expire at the end of the fiscal year. So September 30th is a deadline for a bunch of laws, too. And if Congress doesn't do anything, a bunch of these programs providing low-income health care, you know, various different things for people who are struggling with addiction could be thrown into kind of chaos. And that's a lot of policy language. And it costs a lot of money because it creates a lot of obligations um, in future spending years. And so that's something that they had to deal with how to how to pay for that. On top of that, there's a bunch of farmers that are suffering from the trade war with China and other countries that um, President Donald Trump's administration has been really adamant about pushing um, in the global economy. So there's about $20.5 billion in there uh, that would be giving farmers relief through what's known as the Commodity Credit Corporation. Uh, that is a- uh, And this thing was a big dispute this past week. Huge dispute because these payouts basically come from companies that are involved in commodities that are suffering some kind of economic downturn due to disagreement over different- ways that countries are buying and selling commodities with each other. And so there's just been a lot of concern over the cost of that. And then Democrats can't really say that they're against this, but at the same time, they don't want to give the president cover for his trade war with China, which they're often very critical of the way he's doing it. So it created all these types of complications. So in exchange, Democrats asked for these new transparency provisions that show what they wanted was to show state by state commodity by commodity, what was being affected and what they thought might come out of that was not just to show in each member's district how much money was at stake or in each senator's state, but also to maybe show that there's some foreign interests that are benefiting from this uh, agricultural aid. So it just it became a, a political, um, really politically difficult thing to move. Yeah, there was real concern that that about how this money was being distributed, right? Mm -hmm. Whether whether it was really going to farmers in need, or whether some wealthy farmers were benefiting, and and whether it was fairly distributed. 
So, so now they have to come up with more data as part of this deal, right, to, to show where the money's going. Yeah, and every time you get into these kind of policy-heavy debates, lawmakers have to run into this whole question of whether data's enough or if there's some other type of ideological issue. And we saw the same thing happen with some of these extenders, including um, opening up more funding for a Medicaid uh, in island territories that receive block grants like Puerto Rico, the Virgin Islands, Mariana Islands. Um, they had to kind of up that as part of this stopgap. And lawmakers also had to renew big programs like the National Flood Insurance Program and the Export-Import Bank. And all of those authorizations are now just kind of sandwiched against the Thanksgiving break. And so there's a lot of pressure now, not just to extend spending, but because of all these expiring programs to extend you know, authorization for those programs so they can keep running. Um, and then it creates a new deadline right before the first major holiday of the fall and winter right. season. Right. So we'll face another shutdown risk come just before Thanksgiving. And that's because that's one of the best times for leverage in Congress, frankly, because the holidays are kind of these sacred times where people, you know, go home and see their family and there's no way they're going to touch that. Right. And it might sound to outsiders like that's a little bit crazy, like they could just delay their plane. But it, there's nothing like jet fumes, as we say in Congress as, as to a spur a deal to, getting together. Yeah, right. it can definitely make the mind open to something like that. So there's a lot in this thing. You touched on Medicaid funding getting sent for Puerto Rico. That was a big battle. Republicans are suspicious of, of, of any funding for Puerto Rico. They worry about corruption, but they did get that in there, Democrats. There's also extra money for the census, right? There's these different types of anomalies that would just basically change the way a stopgap funding measure allows spending for programs to allow for higher spending in certain areas. So the census is one. The Secret Service is another. There's some various administrative things that are going on with reorganizing filing systems and different types of accounts. Um, so there's all types of just small provisions, but nothing really groundbreaking. I think that- Well, but Democrats are pushing for more census funding than the Trump administration was willing to provide. They think they need more money to get to be prepared for it. Yeah, but then also the administration requested more census funding, I think, as in their budget request. Right, but and not so, as much as Democrats still want. Yeah, so and so there's that There's still kind a tug of, of war there. Definitely. And I think that, you know, but at the same time, we have some people coming from the administration saying, look, the president's going to sign it. We're going to get this done. We'll have more time to finish up our work. But then you look at you look at past seasons, and when there's a Thanksgiving deadline- I don't know if they're going to finish it at that point. Right. <laughs> and so what they do is they go, oh, well, you know, we can just do it till Christmas. And so then there's another big, huge holiday that could be ruined if they don't fix it. So it's just this weird little dance that we do at the end of every single fiscal year. Right. So the Senate votes on it this week. We don't know exactly what day yet, but probably... I'm guessing Wednesday, Thursday. I don't what, think there will be an argument over a time agreement or anything, but who knows? Maybe there will. I don't and it and passage would seem very likely because it, the House voted. They did have pretty strong bipartisan support, right? Yeah, and I think that's because some of the most contentious provisions that we saw in a draft that was circulating the previous week to s clamp down on state and USAID funding, just some of those other types of provisions were taken out. There's still some language related to Ukraine in there, but because there's bipartisan support for that related to the way that uh, the budget uh, office in the White House 
disperses that kind of money. I don't think that's going to be a problem at this point. Yeah, you're talking about there was military aid to Ukraine, about $250 million that the administration had briefly frozen for reasons that sort of remain a mystery. Yeah. But they've now said they've released that money, so that's no longer an issue, we don't yeah. think. And I think maybe it serves just more like symbolic purpose than practical, but that is to be seen. Yeah. Um, and then at the same time, you know, we have appropriators working on fiscal 20 bills on the floor, finally. That's the first floor action we've seen. Yeah, we'll come to that. But I mean, I just want to point out, most House Republicans still voted against this stopgap measure, right? So there was still some some pushback from conservatives that this thing, a lot of them didn't like putting the military on autopilot, for one thing. Well, no one likes putting the military on a CR, but I think because it doesn't go into next year, I think that's most rook, okay yeah. for them. But it's definitely a moment of kind of sour grapes because last year they were able to get so much done on the back end with appropriations. But if you look at kind of the way that the shutdown played out because of that and just some of the other optics like having Congress paid while the rest of the government didn't have any money, it's kind of changed the way that the process is moving forward now. Okay. So even though even though most House Republicans voted against it, enough did support it. I think there were 76 Republicans in support of it with almost all Democrats supporting it. So it it came through the chamber on a pretty strong bipartisan vote. Yeah, and you had to have those Republicans who are willing to say, hey, look, okay, so we have the people in our party who can vote the ideological position, but we know that we need to send this over. It needs to be a pretty strong vote, and I don't want to shut down the government. And there's a lot of Republicans who don't want to shut down the government in the House, especially now. And then we learned today that uh, President Trump is supposed to sign this measure, so there shouldn't be any veto threat coming out of this. I mean, we can always have a moment where we get into the Oval Office or wherever the signing ceremony is, and it doesn't happen. But I don't think that's the kind of theatrics that um, we're going to be seeing yeah. on the budget side. Doesn't seem now. like they want to deal with a government shutdown right now on top of everything else he's got going on. I think there's a lot of other things to focus on right now. Yeah, and they can push the real spending debates into November now. So as you say, it, meanwhile, even as the stopgap is getting prepared here, uh, Senate appropriators are still plowing ahead with their own full fiscal 2020 spending bills. They've been on a, on a sprint trying to get these things through this month after months of delay. Uh, they're going to take up bills this week, including the big political lightning rod, Kelly. Oh, boy. Homeland. That'll be the first floor consideration in either chamber. Homeland Security, but well, we don't know about the floor yet, but but the committee is taking it. If up. that were to happen, yeah. yeah, yeah. Homeland Security bill, which is the contentious, the most contentious of the twelve bills, because it deals with the Department of Homeland Security, and that brings up the big fight over funding for a border wall. And you see Republicans in the Senate putting themselves out there, saying what their position on the wall and the border is, before House Republicans, before. The White House, like in a serious manner, as part of this the appropriations process, because of course the president has his budget request, but it's something that's not really considered serious at this point. So now we're going to finally see what are Republicans willing to vote for when it comes to the wall, when it comes to funding issues on the U.S.-Mexico border, and how are they going to deal with this idea that? military construction projects were raided. I mean, I know it's on a different bill, but it's going to have a bearing on what they put in Homeland Security. And yeah, you're talking about the administration's move to divert billions of dollars from military construction projects to the border wall that Democrats oppose. Yeah, which is going to be, you know, 
it's going to have an effect on how much they put into actual construction for defense emergencies too. Like, yeah. And we should say Trump has requested $5 billion from the Department of Homeland Security's budget for a border wall this coming fiscal year. House Democrats have proposed no funding for a border wall. So there's going to be a conflict. I assume this bill is going to come through the Senate committee on a party line vote. Is that a good guess? I think it's a good guess. I think that this has just become such a tortured bill and it's filled with policy issues that Congress refuses to address on a different venue, the authorization venue, which would take some of this, um, you know, energy and anger over the process that can sometimes upend it for reasons that have nothing to do with the procedure. And they could take it and put it in a venue where it might belong. But for now, it seems like the Homeland Security markup is going to be the place where this fight happens. And so for appropriation reporters like me, you know, it's fun to watch. Um, It's intriguing to see what maybe happens and maybe if there's some kind of agreement that can be reached. But for appropriators, I think it's really frustrating because they've watched for years now as uh, immigration policy debates just get shoved into their committee year after year. Yeah. And that's actually not the only bill that have some contentious fights in it this week because the Senate appropriators are also going to take up the Interior Environment Bill which has all kinds of environmental policy regulations that that uh, trigger partisan fights, including mm-hmm. offshore oil and gas drilling. Mm-hmm. They're taking up the Commerce Justice Science spending bill. That triggers fights over, over the census funding again, maybe some gun measures, you never know. Uh, so there's there's plenty to chew on this week that is, is they're not going to be easy to pass. I'm really curious in interior, you know, um, the – Native American people get most of their funding through the interior bill, a very small amount um, relative to the size of the bill, relative to other budgets. But they're asking for a year of advanced appropriations this year so that if there's a government shutdown or something like that, they can have some kind of stability um, when federal funding isn't right there for them. So I'm curious if that will be in the bill that's released. So we can add that to the list of complications here as as, as uh, markups go forward this week. Absolutely. And so we'll be watching the Senate this week to make sure the government doesn't shut down. And CQ will be covering it all for you. Always. That does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can drop us an email at cqpodcast at cqrollcall.com. My thanks again to Kelly Madrick, our appropriations reporter, for joining me. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you, David. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. Thank you all for listening. The podcast will take a brief break for the next two weeks while Congress is in recess, but we will be back when Congress reconvenes on October 14th. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. 